Welcome to my new neon show. My new neon show, I'm with Sharon Kashishian from Ion Art. Thanks for joining. Sure, thank you for having me. Uh, so Sharon, you uh, founded Ion Art way uh, back in 86. The, the main focus of this group obviously was to create neon and a uh, super passion project, obviously from many other people that have been on the show. Uh, they all have different kind of moments in time where they found themselves kind of creating a business or joining a company. But uh, you have a story kind of that's pretty interesting and, and maybe how you can bring us uh, kind of uh, up to speed on how you uh, created uh, ION and what was the catalyst for that? Okay, sure. Um, let's see. Uh, I... Um was living here in Austin. I moved to here in Austin after I graduated from college in like 1981. And I was working at a stained glass studio. I've, I've done art my whole life one way or another, but I, I came here and I was lucky I got to work for a pretty famous glass artist, Damien Prier, who's no longer around unfortunately. But um, while I was working there, I met another girl that worked there. And we always talked about doing stuff together and doing projects. And so we decided to start our own stained glass company doing stained glass. And then we decided we heard or met at these guys in Houston that had a little stained glass, a little neon shop. And they were doing um, some really cool stuff, really experimenting with the glass blowing. And so we started going down there and I would take them like a bent curved piece of coat hanger or something and go, Oh, Tim, can you bend me? this thing and and they were finally like y'all need to just come down and learn yourselves <laughs> and so uh we started we got a little apartment in houston and um we started driving back and forth from austin we'd get up at like three in the morning and drive there and um and they had some uh, warehouse in downtown houston set up and we went there and we just both started learning and just really immersed ourselves in the glass blowing process. Um, we rented this little apartment and all we had in it was like two futons and then we just had patterns and neon all over the floor and all over the house. And, and uh, we would drive back and forth from Austin and go to Houston as much as we could. And so, uh, and then, you know, and I, I was doing it mainly because for my sculpture, cause I was doing glass and stained glass art. And I wanted to mix it with the other glass because I just love glass as a medium. It, it's just so timeless and just the way the sun hits and it's pretty and then neon lighting up, that made it even cooler. And so uh, just wanting to mix them both together was kind of my, my medium. And uh, so I started doing that and then I was in Austin and I knew a person that had a restaurant a Mexican restaurant Manuel's down on Congress and he was like well could you make me some neon for my restaurant and so that kind of started the journey toward an, having a well it was kind of an art company at first and then it kind of evolved into a neon sign company and now over the years it's evolved into a we are a design build studio and we build all kinds of stuff. A lot of big commercial sculptures and centers and, and um, along the way of having the neon or having the business eye on art, 
I always also did my own art just like for gallery or whatever to sell. Mm -hmm. And um and um having the shop was nice because it gave me the opportunity to have all the equipment, you know, because through the years as the company's grown, we've been able to buy more and more toys and we have a lot of talented people that work there that all know different skills. And so all together we can build some really cool stuff. And um, so it, it really helped. I, I think having a commercial neon shop really helped with the artistic end of it also. And so uh, now we've kind of come full circle where people are asking us to do more and more art again, which is nice. I, uh, you know, neon comes and goes and trends through the years. Yeah, when fluorescence. You mentioned like the scope of your work increased dramatically. I think that the the feelings that you had when you're making your original like neon kind of. you know, effects with the products you've been doing and creating all those different art pieces, you know, it sounds, now you've comprised this team of, of talented individuals where, you know, was it hard to scale? I think early on you probably got certain neon projects, but it sounds like over time it really kind of developed into more other types of, of de- kind of uh, types of work that, that other people kind of demanded. It did. It, it developed more into a, uh, we can do anything if you've got the money <laughs> we'll figure out how to build something for you kind of art company you know at the time it was uh we you know we love doing neon and we've done a lot of really cool pieces here in town through the 30 something years that we've been doing it um but along the way the whole time i've always still enjoyed doing my art and i guess my particular style i didn't do the traditional like old school neon signs. I mean, I do that for commercial, but for my personal art, it's more because like maybe I came from the stained glass or the glass. And I think I tend to be more like a surrealist type artist. And I like to mix the glass and the neon. And then I use aluminum and steel and my pieces are, are kind of more, I guess, I don't know if you'd call them contemporary. But I, I feel like neon kind of reaches across all genres or all mediums. I mean, neon can be so gorgeous as an old vintage neon sign, which we love to do. But then it's also so cool in a totally modern environment, too, because just mm-hmm. the, the light and the color that it puts off is just so inviting. It, it can go anywhere, you know. Yeah, totally. And, I, and, you know, Austin's such a landmark in its own right. I mean, over the over the years, I think it's really developed uh, a strong following for Neon. And, and similar to what you said, I think, you know, as Neon's developed its own history over the decades, you, you've kind of, we've seen hit or misses, right? But overall, I think there's really no difference in opinion. It's kind of like you talked about is like Neon can either sort of create this this feeling or this impression. I mean, there's people that have been on the show, like uh, you mentioned kind of the old time feel, uh, like Todd Sanders, who used to obviously work for you guys. He, he, he creates yeah. kind of like, um, you know, but he, he was, he was saying how inspired he was working in the time he spent there because he was exposed to so many different things. And by the time he realized what he wanted to do, he kind of had this vision. And uh, I think that you guys created that space and, and kind of allowed uh, those, you know, obviously had many touch points to kind of reference when he kind of 
uh, wanted to kind of uh, spin off and, and do his, his his idea. Yeah, and and you know the stuff he does is really cool. I mean, it it's really cool when you think of neon signs that an old sign that was made originally for a commercial venture. Now you can kind of make a copy of that and then that it's art. I mean, the old signs really were like art. I I, I guess I always loved neon. I grew up in the Air Force, but we lived in Albuquerque for a long time as kids. And we traveled a lot. We did road trips and we drove Route 66 and we drove. I just, I lo always loved all the old neon signs out across New Mexico. Um you know, the Indian bonnets and the old motels and stuff. And uh, it, it, it's really an interesting medium to work with, you know. Mm -hmm. And, and, and uh, sculpture, yeah. this like sign fabrication and where it meets commercialism, like how has it been, you know, juggling all those different areas of the business where someone comes in for an art piece and the next thing you know, you guys are like fabricating for like Whole Foods. Like it, it's such a wide you know, uh, language to span. Have you, have there been ups and downs, like challenges with that? Oh yeah. 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 We were very lucky. We actually made the first neon sign for Whole Foods. The original Whole Foods here in Austin was down on, on Lamar and like 10th street. And, uh, when they got their first neon, we did that for them. And they also shared a space with Martin brothers at the time it was like a little restaurant. And so, um, that was really neat and when they first expanded we did a lot of their stores all over the country you know and at the time they were a younger company also and so every place that they went they wanted it to be unique and different and fit into that place and and so we were designing stuff like in Fort Lauderdale we did this really cool sea kind of theme and in different areas we would do with what would go, you know, where we were, were going. And so it was very creative and it was a fun project and we were all younger and we didn't mind traveling and staying somewhere for 10 days and working and installing. Um, but, uh, you know, they, we still do stuff for them, but it's not the same as like when they first started when they were mm -hmm. smaller, but that's kind of true of everything back in the older days. Right. It was a lot um, in Austin. It was more like the Wild West. You know, there weren't any permit requirements or a lot of rules about it, so you could kind of do whatever you wanted, and you could, you know, not really. I mean, it was kind of like fly by the seat of your pants. You know, when we first started, but uh, yeah, um, when you know, it's also like you know, it's not really. Uh, it's basically like who and not really like what, like when you think about Whole Foods, you, you think of obviously Amazon, like what, what a, what a monster of a company it's become. But you know, every kind of one of these new ideas, Neon has this, it's kind of like uh, the gateway drug. Like I think who, who you spend your time working for is more important than what exactly, you know, what the minutia details are. And so I think a lot of artists yeah. get caught up in that. They kind of think like, Oh, I've got to, kind of like I've got to make it my way or, or the highway. And I think you guys have done a really good job of kind of straddling those ideas and, and like launching off of the network of people that are really smart about what they want to make. And you're able to make that come, you know, come through. Well, that's true. But you also have to, you know, watch yourself. But if somebody comes to you and they have something that they want and they have an idea you have to go, okay, sure, I'll make your idea. And you have to separate it from your art and you have to not 
you know, like force your art down their throat. You have to just go, well, it's much cooler to be able to make some cool art piece for them that they want than to have to go have a regular job. I mean, that was kind of how I looked at it, you know, so you, you have to kind of separate like that's their art, but I still have my art. But every time I do a commercial art piece, it's making me better in my personal because the more glass I blow, the better I'll get, you know, to, Mm-hmm. whatever it's for commercial or for just my pure art. And I'm, I'm really lucky that in the having the commercial end and having the business, it has made me to the point where I can do my personal art and I don't have to worry about, Oh, I've got to do this piece because this is what people will buy or or this is, you know, what, what I can sell. I can make whatever I want and I don't care if it sells or not, <laughs> which is kind of, a, I'm really lucky to be in that place now, you know, but um, it yeah. makes it more freeing in a way, you know. I, I agree. And, you know, you guys have this 14,000 square foot facility that's, uh, you know, UL rated. And what's the difference between like a space like this makes for you guys and how can someone like an aspiring young artist who sort of staying afloat amidst all the, the backbreaking work and, and managing clients expectations and glass piece after glass piece, like kind of trying to figure out how to manage this whole process. And, you know, cause there's a lot of new artists that are listening to this podcast. You know, what do you, yeah. what can you say to them? You know, that have you got, cause you guys have kind of kind of come through the other side and then, you know, kind of obviously established now. Yeah, I, you know, we were real lucky in that regard. We, we, we had a lot of crappy studio space. I mean, my old, our old space years ago, our ceilings were only like 10 foot tall. So when I would blow glass, I would have to squat down after I vented so it wouldn't hit the ceiling. And uh, we actually had to build stuff out in the parking lot because it wouldn't fit through the door. And so our goal was always to like, okay, let's save up. Let's try to find some land. Let's find a space. And we were lucky enough that we did. We found it's like five and a half acres, a little over five and a half acres in South Austin years ago that we got a really good deal on. And we built our own studio space. So we built a space like we wanted and we built tall doors and so we could work inside and uh, made it a really cool. um, We tried to make it a a whole, everyone there is creative. Like we have a couple of event planners. We have a beer, uh, a guy that makes beer, 512 brewery. And and, um, we have our, we have two of our buildings. We have six buildings and, uh, it was slow. We starved for years. Everyone told us, get real jobs. And, and we just kept prodding along. One thing, we lived in our warehouse. Like when Todd worked for us years ago, we lived downtown and we had a little apartment we built in the back. It was when it was cheap to live in downtown Austin. And, you know, we, we um, just put everything into it the thing is if you want to be successful as an artist whatever type of artist you have you have to produce if you drag a three thousand dollar job out for six months you're not going to make a very good living if you can do a three thousand dollar job in a week you can you know do a lot better so Mm -hmm. the main thing is really if you want to be successful being a creative you just have to make stuff and be creative 
You know, right. you can't talk about it. It's like, you got to just do it. And and some stuff works, some doesn't. And, you know, you just have to keep prodding along. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we did. And you know, uh, it eventually, advice, hey, I think, you know, if you love what you do, anyone who loves what they do, if you just do that, you'll be successful at it because you love it. And, um, I, I, we, we're every day. We're grateful that we've been as successful as we have because everyone does tell us, "Oh, that's not the norm." But mm-hmm. I don't feel like we didn't anything special besides just working really hard. Yeah. Well, I think what I think I've seen from, especially when it comes to you know, like the, the the formula, or at least the the path that you've tread, is that you know, you you weren't willing to kind of uh, obviously uh, kind of just bend on the fact that you oh gosh we, we can't find a space let's just kind of do this other thing over here you've been pretty persistent on you know making me on sort of you know, growing the business and also just you know obviously buying new equipment and, and, and kind of developing uh, new styles to kind of keep up with the trends in the in the industry and and ultimately I think it's just like you said is that it, it really is just hard work like I think many people associate neon with um, maybe like uh, you know the they're not really sure how it's how it's made. How have you kind of approached the education? Because I think a lot of neon makers and especially uh, people who are just kind of getting into this thing are, are obviously struck by how difficult it is to make neon. Um, but also I think from the consumer side, it's very difficult for them to gauge that as well when you give them like a price or something like that. It, it is. And uh, one thing that helps is um, our, when we, we, people come into our studio, we let people come in all the time and, and see the space. I mean, our studio is basically our portfolio and they can come and watch and see how it's done. And then it really helps them to understand, you know, what it takes and um, to make neon. And uh, I was doing other glass, you know, because I was working with flat glass and stained glass. So I think it really helped me when I went to learn neon because I caught on fast for whatever reason. And I think it was because I kind of already had a feel for glass or something, or maybe I just really loved it, but um, it worked really well. But, you know, now what we're doing is um, we started about three, well, this will be our third year. We started an event, a surreal event, we call it, because like I said, I consider myself a surreal artist. And um, it's a celebration for Neon. The first year we did it, it was to kind of celebrate around the 100th birthday of Neon. There's a lot of different people that have different days when it was 100 years old. But we go, well, it's around 100 years. Let's have this event. Mm-hmm. And uh, we called it uh, the, the Neon Jungle. Or the Surreal Jungle is what we called it. And uh, we had it, on, like I said, our business park is right under six acres. So we had it out in the middle of the whole thing out in the parking lot and it was an interactive neon art show and all the neon was just out there where you could touch it, walk around it, things moved. And uh, the first year we did it, we expected about 500 people maybe would show up. We were hoping and we had over 2000 and it it was just, uh, Wow. Well, it's kind of overwhelming for us, but it was really <laughs> cool because it made us realize, wow, there's all these people that really want to come and see neon. And so we decided, we were like, we need to make this an annual event, you know, do some kind of an event every year just to celebrate, 
neon and make people more aware and make them realize that there's a lot more to neon besides just a neon saying or sign mm -hmm. that it, it's just this incredible art form also and so uh you know last year we did the surreal sea and uh it was a lot bigger production and we mixed neon with leds because there a lot of people are like oh you can't go one or do both that's you know evil and neon business to, but i think each one has its own place and we also mix smoke and this year we're adding fire because we're having the show again this year on november 9th <coughs> and it's like five to midnight and we have a um, big interactive where we have some pieces like last year we had this giant 20-foot octopus and it you could walk the we built it like an old movie set stage where the tentacles could all move and it was it was powered by bicycle. You could sit on the bicycle and pedal it and it would make the tentacles and everything move in the waves and you could walk between it. And uh, people really in, enjoyed it. And then we did this one big giant neon sea monster, but it had um, LED ribs that were like, it was like 60 foot long and you could walk through it or dance around it or do whatever. And it had smoke machines in it. And, um, uh, it, it, I think it was, it's been a real hit. And so this year we are, um, kind of doing this peaky, mysticky, surreal, see, I don't know, kind of real show. We'll see how it turns, turns out, but it is going to be in November. And, uh, it's uh it's just like a fun party for neon that's cool i think um you know being in new york city i think there's obviously like a heavy amount of foot traffic i mean you guys have probably benefited greatly from this interactive light experience and you know you you kind of have been able to like i said like how do you promote an event like that like you know if other people wanted to do like a neon event do you get to spread the word out like i think probably social media right helps it sounds like the city's kind yeah. of obviously knows you as well we uh we did spread the event vr just our social media we did not really advertise um and we uh, november is the official art month in austin texas the mayor had made that art month and we got listed as one of the official art events so we were on their website also which kind of helped but um we've we've done a few big pieces around town other kind of sculptures which um, we did one for Whole Foods actually, and it was these big ATX letters, and they're steel, but they attracted so uh, so much more attention than we ever thought they would. And from those, a lot more people have found out who we are, and uh, so that's helped. But we're always constantly trying to push the neon and the neon in town. I mean, Austin talks big that it's for the arts, but it doesn't really support the arts as much it, it supports the music scene a lot more than it supports the art scene mm -hmm. well it's good to know like i think for a lot of people they obviously kind of think that like you know kind of coming into a city like that it, it must just be so like obviously uh forthcoming but you put a lot of ground laid a lot of the groundwork uh you know obviously i think it's very important to just sort of you know, put your state you know flag in the ground uh and just sort of you know, say hey look this is what we're going to do and, and i think more importantly you know, you guys have realized it's never too late to, to try to change course. Like I realized, I think early on for, for, for some, you know, companies like, 
they kind of looked at it and said, you know, we want to build this thing, you know, for ourselves and finish off kind of like what new work we have going on instead of keeping it to ourselves and like doing the commercial work and, and kind of saying like, Oh yeah, I have all these cool things I do, but they're never going to see the light of day it is take that and, and make an experience for other people where you're, you know, you're working with what you already have. You're not like creating a bunch of new work. It's just stuff that you find very useful and then other people can, you know, feed off of that. Yeah, uh, actually, last year we did get carried away and made a couple of really big new pieces. But one thing that we're trying to do, like with this year and that we learned from last year, we're trying to look at new ways to sell neon or to sell art pieces or neon pieces besides the old traditional of being in a gallery. or And, and we've been pushing like maybe renting neons for parties and the, this last year we've had some success with that and the pieces that we make for our show they're all for sale but uh they're also for rent or you can rent the space and um people seem to be liking that to be the thought of you know so that's another way you, you have to look at a lot of ways if you want to try to make art okay what are ways i can make it where it pays for itself well i can make it and i can sell it or i can put it in a in a gallery but for me putting stuff in gallery was always kind of hard because with the 50 percent markup it's such a more expensive kind of medium than a painting or something you have to mark it up so high to be able to sell it to make money on it you know that makes it hard so yeah, I agree. Show. I agree with you. I think it's true that uh, I, I mean, the art world is done. Uh, I think it's, it's, you know, helpful in certain ways. And then it's harmful. I think a lot of artists get caught up in the trap of like, oh, I've got to like, impress these individuals who obviously like are the gatekeepers. I'm a big fan of just sort of going out there and, and making your own noise. And then obviously, you get to take, you know, your cut of the profits that you know, obviously you rightfully deserve as opposed to like having someone else dictate your business, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because even when I was showing stuff in galleries, they'd want to go, well, because I do some things with faces and stuff. And they go, well, you know, that's kind of weird. That's not what people like to buy. Can you do this or this? And, and so not having to have that constraint is really nice. And even with this show we're doing with the Surreal Sea, we have invited other artists to be involved or be in it. You know, the, anyone that wants to be part of the interactive show, the thing is with this show, it's all like one big theme. We even have a DJ that we choreograph the music to go with whatever our theme is. And it's not like, like Austin has other art shows like Pecan Street and stuff, but it's every artist has its own individual booth and they're selling their stuff. It's not one big interactive kind of theme show that everyone's involved in there's dancing and there's well we have food trailers and you know a bar all kinds of stuff but mm -hmm. and so this year yeah we have a fire artist that's going to do I'm not sure what he's going to do he builds his own props we'll see <laughs> and some different stuff but we're going to think in fire would go good with neon fire and neon and smoke and make a good show yeah. Well, I think, yeah, also too, is that you, I've also heard of this before was like, you had touched on this, like we're, we're doing these different things and we're experimenting and like you've proven that, you know, your product works. And I think other neon builders, they get, they kind of 
get a, a little cynical about like if I don't build or if I don't absorb like what's going on with LED, then then you know to heck with everyone else. I don't think they understand what's happening with signage. And I think if you build uh, an environment where where obviously ideas can flourish and, and you've got access to you know transportation into your area where your business is, you know you can realize that you know, you can you can really build a, a bit of a show like you know and it doesn't have to be like a spectacle but you're just being kind of inviting and, and allowing people to kind of have their own opinions of what you know neon's all about and i think that's been helpful for you guys yeah i think so too you know i uh um, yeah just, you, yeah it, go it ahead sorry. Pigeonholed. i was just gonna say neon kind of gets pigeonholed sometimes so it's just good to expand like right now, I have a piece in uh, City Hall, and it's this 12-foot steel and neon elephant that I did. It's, his name is Salvador, but I got the idea from when I was I went to the Salvador Dali Museum in Spain, and I you know, I saw some of his elephants, and I've always loved elephants, and so I did my version of Salvador, <laughs> the elephant. <laughs> But it's uh, it's in City Hall, and it just shows that you can do something like a 12-foot steel and neon elephant, and it can look really cool in a building, and it doesn't have to be what you think of as that neon should be, you know? Yeah, and, and also, too, is that, you know, like, you haven't rushed into, like, this business. Like, it doesn't happen overnight, so anybody listening to this, obviously, like, I realized that, you know, there were sort of unstable years and, and you got ideas from other people and you made it, you know, good just based on the fact that you wanted to see it come to life, which is similar to like the elephant, right? Like you didn't have you know everything kind of laid out for you. And so I think it, no. you did a good job by kind of just like slowly building on different ideas. And we did. And, you know, one thing maybe that helped us is because we were so... I mean, poor when we were young and first doing it, we could never get ourselves very far in debt because we just didn't have any loans and we didn't have the money. So we just built it slowly as we went. And so when we made mistakes, our mistakes weren't big, huge, expensive mistakes that we'd gotten loans for. They were all really small. And so we were able to just kind of keep prodding along. And, you know, there were a lot of years of struggling, but it was like, oh, if we could just sell that one more $300 neon flamingo, we could go on a ski trip or, you know, it was kind of like, like that when you're younger, you know, you kind of live, you can live more day to day. Yeah. So and, you, you, know, be, you know, you've, you've also just kind of said like, you know, beware of the shortcut. Like, I think you realize that if you try to cram everything in all at once, you end up regretting like, Oh, you didn't take any crazy loans out or like you guys just really kind of embraced the process and you arrived at a place where, you know, now you've kind of got nothing kind of holding you back. Obviously you have to maintain the business, but you, know, you can look back and kind of trust in your, you know, in the process and, and kind of obviously you've invested in the business in a lot of ways. So it's been uh, pretty cool to see, you know, the trajectory and, and how you've kind of reconsidered, things along the way. I think it's uh, very inspiring. Um, thank you. Um, I think one thing, you know, you can tell people is just to be flexible. Like you said that earlier, that's one of the main things to always be able to kind of evolve and change and flow with, you know, the ebb of what's going on at the time and not just like, Hey, this is my business plan and I'm doing this and I'm following it and I'm going to do a business because that just might not work. And if that doesn't work, then you need to go, okay, well, shit, what can I do that will work? And, and always just keep 
trying different things until it works out for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I subscribe to that, that you know, ideology as well. I think you, you one day you obviously learn that you, know, you can't just like press the button and go on everything. And so uh, getting, you know, kind of back to where we were is, you know, you got the, the November event, you know, anything else that, you know, like you wanted to touch on that I think where, you know, other people uh, should know or can find you guys, you know, maybe some, some information online and, and kind of where, where we can see more work. Sure. On our, our website, um, ionart.com, we, and on our Instagram, we have information about our surreal events and we have a, a link, I think on each one, like we have a hashtag surreal C that just shows pictures from last year. And, and I, there's a video on there. And then also on our website, on our event section, we have information about the surreal C. And uh, this show, what we've done is we've tried to create something that's affordable for everybody. And so we charge $20 to get in for the wristband. And we have food trailers and we have a bar. We're, and uh, we have people in costumes and like face painting. So we try to make it interactive so you can come there and join in and you can get painted if you want. And uh, um Anyway, it's a really fun event. In fact, you should come. I'll send you a wristband <laughs> if you want. And uh, thank you. Uh, you know, we're trying to make it affordable for everyone, but still trying to figure out a way to cover the cost of it. Which you know, we're we're still working on that part, but we're getting there. Yeah, and, uh, definitely. Well, uh, you know, I, I think it's a great uh, idea, and I think it's really gonna. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing where you guys take it this year. It sounds like an amazing event. I think it, it 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 is going to be pretty cool, and we really do encourage people to come and join us and see. And if they have a, an idea or something they think that could go or would be a good fit, to send it to us. Let us see. Contact us about it. Awesome. And uh, we'll see. Yeah, last year we had a um, artist from Portland, Scott Musgrove. He brought a couple of pieces, or or one of his friends did, and. Uh, one was this jellyfish merry-go-round that was really wild and and uh it was really fun it went you know went very surreal it went with the show and so we're always open to if someone has some ideas just to let us know we love working with other artists and creatives and feel like a lot, everyone has something to offer that's a great you message. Know, you need to always be open to working with other people and meeting people. And really right now I'm really lucky because we have a team of like 45 people and everyone is so talented in their way. And when you can put aside your egos and all work together, you can really create a lot of really cool stuff. Absolutely. And so Sharon, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I, I wish you guys a, as much success as you've had now. I want to see uh, obviously more of these things come to life. So, uh, I think we realized, uh, you know, over time neon's gotten bigger and, and better. And so, uh, I'm really excited to see just, uh, you know, the monumental task of what you guys have been up to, but also just, you know, continuing to kind of check on you guys and see what's online. It's, it's a very, uh, great way to, to kind of, wrap things up, but thanks for coming on and, and just, you know, letting us know more about the company and your, uh, yeah, your amazing contribution to Neon. 
Oh, well, thank you very much. Um, and I hope I'll see some of y'all out there for the show. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that show. If you haven't done so, please leave us a review on your podcast aggregator of choice. We have a lot of great neon guests coming up. And as always, thanks for listening.